In this comic book is a love story, a boy and girl in love. They get married, and after an offensively lurid description, illustrated, of course, of the couple's wedding night, the book shows how the bride murders her husband by chopping his head off with an axe. Hello again, friends and fans of freaky, frightening, far-out, and fantastic funnies. Remember me? Welcome back to the 4CF Vault for episode 27 of Four Color Fear, the podcast that dissects and inspects horror comics. Bob here, your friendly neighborhood cast keeper and curator of the aforementioned vault, where, as promised several months ago, we will take a look at a title from legendary horror publisher Entertaining Comics, better known as EC, when we crack open Tales from the Crypt, number 35, published by EC in 1953. These are certainly challenging times that we live in, and on the Facebook group I mentioned some of the obstacles I encountered as 2020 closed out, preventing me from opening up the vault and working on another episode, but if that's the worst that's happened to me, I guess I should be grateful. In any event, we're here now, the vault's open, it's a bit dusty, although we do like it that way, and many moons ago, back in episode 26, I had talked about the two amicus film productions, Tales from the Crypt and The Vault of Horror, and that my favorite segment from both of those movies was Midnight Mess, which appeared in The Vault of Horror. Well, the comic we're going to take a look at is the one that features that story. So we'll take a look at Tales from the Crypt number 35. We'll outline the stories, look at the cover, and we'll do all that after this little ditty. So I hope you stick around.
What can I say? Just a shining beacon in filmmaking history. The gorilla suit and the space helmet, the bubble machine with the TV antenna, all good stuff for a night of do-it-yourself riffing. Okay, we've talked about Tales from the Crypt before, so I'll just briefly mention that it was a horror anthology comic published by EC for 27 issues from October-November 1950 until February-March 1955. Its issues were numbered 20 to 46. We won't get into the numbering um, inheritance because it plays like a round of Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon. Tales from the Crypt, number 35, has a cover date of April, May 1953, and a cover price of 10 cents. And the cover is laid out in the typical EC format. We have the upper third with Tales from the Crypt in a stylized creepy font against a solid colored background. This time it's red. Down the left side of that upper third, we have the word terror running vertically. The bottom two-thirds of the cover concern the artwork. On the left, we have the three featuring cameos with the Crypt Keeper, the Old Witch, and the Vault Keeper. And the main artwork for the cover, which is brilliantly drawn and composed by Jack Davis, depicts a werewolf coming at the reader. I mean, he's so close in the foreground, it almost looks like he's coming out of the cover. It's just some great drawing there. And he has just finished with his prey, who lies splayed across a tombstone in a cemetery in the background. Now, inside the book, Tales from the Crypt number 35 has four comic stories and one text story. And as is typical for EC titles, the featured host, in this case the Crypt Keeper, presents two stories in the issue, and the other two hosts each present one. Our first story... And it's one of those great titles that we get from EC, By the Fright of the Silvery Moon, hosted by the Crypt Keeper. It concerns a small American town where two men are found torn apart on the night of a full moon. The sheriff seizes a man who has just arrived from Hungary and has him shot, believing him to be a werewolf. That's followed by our featured story, Midnight Mess, where a man visits his sister in a small town where people get off the street and close up shop before sundown due to a recent spree of vampire killings. Next we have the text story, which is called The Racked. That's followed by Busted Marriage, where a man has voodoo dolls made as wedding cake figures in order to get a wealthy woman to marry him. And wrapping up this issue is This Wraps It Up where three archaeologists uncover the tomb of the fifth pharaoh of Egypt, and is often the case, when treasure is discovered, greed sets in. So there's a brief synopsis of the stories in Tales from the Crypt number 35. When I get back, we'll get into our featured story, Midnight Mess. Should be a lot of fun. I'll see you on the other side. Fantastic fun, Space Patrollers! Yes, sir, and you can have it when you send for your new super spooky totem head, man from Mars, with magic forehead vision. A spook from outer space. That's you wearing your totem head. From head to shoulders, your identity is a complete secret. That special magic forehead vision lets you see out, but nobody can see in. You have a face in front, one in back, too. You can really fool your pals because they won't know whether you're coming or going. Or... You can build yourself a totem pole in your room or in your backyard. 
Just stack five or six totem heads, one on top of the other. An honest-to-goodness totem pole in honest-to-goodness totem colors, red and yellow, green and black. So, space patrollers, don't miss out on the fantastic fun. Send for your first Man from Mars totem head today. Just send a rice checks or wheat checks box top. Together, with your name and address and 25 cents in coin to Space Patrol, Box 812, St. Louis, Missouri. That's Space Patrol, Box 812, St. Louis, Missouri. Offer good only in USA and may be withdrawn at any time. You know, one of the things I enjoy most about reading these horror comics, or any comic for that matter, from the Bronze Age or older, is looking at some of these old advertisements. Now, this commercial that just played reminds me of a space helmet I used to see in comics. Uh, it had some sort of mylar two-way mirror in it where you could see your friends and they couldn't see you. Uh, but those ads, uh, boy, they really caught our attention and tried to entice us to purchase them. X-ray specs, uh, the one that jumps out at me uh, was the Polaris submarine. I really wanted that. I did one time get my parents to allow me to buy sea monkeys. Uh, this was before you could buy them in your local department store, and I had those for a very short time. Uh, if you're interested in comic book ads, do a YouTube search. You'll get some good results. Comic Tropes, we've mentioned them before. They have a really good video about the ads, and uh, Laura Legends also. You'll see some pictures of what these products actually look like compared to their drawn counterparts in the comic books. Okay, our featured story for Tales from the Crypt number 35 is Midnight Mess, and our creator credits is a, to borrow a baseball term, murderer's row of talent. We got a script by Bill Gaines and Al Felstein, Pencils and Inks by Joe Orlando, who, by the way, was the guy who drew the Sea Monkeys advertisements. Colors by Marie Severin, and letters by Jim Roten, operating the Leroy Lettering System. Now, this story is presented by the Vault Keeper, and his opening dialogue is like this. <laughs> Looks like Supernatural is in the order of the day, eh, fiends? C.K. told you a werewolf story, so I'll tell you one about vampires. Welcome to the Vault of Horror. This is your Vault Keeper shrieking. I call this blood-curdling tale from my bloody collection Midnight Mess. And in our first panel, we get an overhead shot of this man walking down a small-town street. It's lined with trees, and there are bats flying in the air above him, and there is some character lurking behind him now I'll get the I'll get back to that in a moment but but the vault keeper goes on the clock in the steeple of the village hall chimed five as Harold Madison moved across the square from the railroad station in the distance the train whistled off in gathering twilight Harold gazed up at the clock tower still echoing the last chime looked around at the quaint buildings lining the square and chuckled this is just the kind of burg my sister would be happy in. What a dead-looking place. The village square was strangely deserted. Harold sat down and scratched his head. Nobody around, no cabs, no nothing. Well, how in blazes will I find my sister's house? All I know is the address. 
So he then sees this man approach him from across the street. Now, this guy who was following him, who looked sort of sinister, he's hooded and lurking behind. He's nowhere to be found, so I don't know exactly what the deal is with that, if it was a uh, continuity error or what. But anyhow, Harold yells to this guy, Hey, you, where's Shore Street? 1223 Shore Street. And this guy tells him, That's two blocks west, then east three, but you better hurry because it's getting dark. So Harold asks him, What are you talking about? So what? It's getting dark. You're a stranger here, aren't you? You don't know about them. No, I don't uh, know about what. And this man says, the vampires. Harold says, the who? The, the vampires? Oh, come on. Better hurry. It'll be sundown soon. Vampires come out after sundown. Then the old man was gone up a narrow alley. Harold laughed and continued across the square. A sign caught his eye, and he sees a restaurant. Thinks, I could sure do with a bite to eat. I'm starved. So he goes inside this restaurant, and we're told that it was small, but the mirrored wall at the far end made it appear much larger than it actually was, and that mirror will be important later. Except for one or two people who were finishing their meals, the place was empty, and a waiter comes forward and says, I'm sorry, sir, but we're closing. It's almost dark, you know. Harold replies, what? You, you too? What if it is getting dark? It's dinner time and I'm hungry. But the waiter refuses to serve him. We close in order that our help may get home before sundown, sir. The vampires, you know. And Harold's like, what? Vampires? What are you talking about? Oh, you're a stranger here. Then you don't know what is happening. No, I don't. What's this all about? There have been 17 cases so far. Bodies found with every drop of blood drained out of them. The whole town is in the grip of fear. It's the work of vampires. Ah, no such thing. Nevertheless, I suggest that you get to where you're going before it becomes dark and the vampires begin to roam the streets looking for a victim. Yeah, okay, okay. Where's 1223 Shore Street? Can you tell me that? Of course. And he repeats what the old man said in the street. West two blocks, then east three. Good night. Good night. <laughs> is everybody in this town nuts? Vampires. <laughs> so Harold stalked through the town toward his sister's house. As he went, he could hear doors being locked and bolted, blinds being drawn, when finally he knocks on his sister's door. And we hear her say, Yes, who's out there? Donna, it's me, Harold, your brother. Harold's sister throws the door open. Harold, you, you weren't out there in the dark. Oh no, Donna, don't tell me you believe this vampire business, too. Donna locked and bolted the door behind Harold and turned to face him, her eyes wide in terror. Of course I believe in the vampire. Seventeen villagers murdered already. Blood drained. What else could have done it? Donna, there's no such thing as vampires there. Maybe there's a homicidal maniac loose in this town. Certainly there must be a logical explanation, but not vampires. It's ridiculous. All right, Harold, believe what you want. Now let's forget about it. Come inside. Tell me why the surprise visit. Well, I was on my way to the coast and thought I'd drop in on you. It's good to see you, Harold. You're looking well. So that night, Harold couldn't sleep. He tossed and turned on the cot that Donna had set up for him. Finally, he got up and dressed and figured that he'd go for a walk. And while he's out on the deserted streets, he's thinking to himself, vampires. <laughs> every door, every window that Harold passed was locked up tight and dark. The village square was empty and silent. Not a soul out. They sure rolled this town up tighter than a drum after dark. 
And then he heard it. The laughter. The gay chatter. It came from a familiar building. Well, I'll be. The restaurant. The one I was in this afternoon. It's open. There's people going in. The restaurant was all lit up and people sat at the tables, talking, eating. Harold went in. That's why I couldn't sleep. I was hungry. Guess I'll have something to eat. So he sits down at a table and a waiter approaches. But it's a different waiter from the one he saw earlier. And Harold's thinking to himself as he looks around, certainly are some queer-looking characters out this time of night. Will you have the dinner, sir, or would you... Oh, yeah, uh, the dinner will be fine. Uh, What's the menu tonight? Juice? Soup? Roast with french fries? Coffee? Sherbet? Harold licked his lips. Good. Say, I am hungry. (laughs) As the waiter says, I'll be right back. The waiter went away and came back with a glass of juice. And Harold takes it. Ah, tomato juice. To which the waiter replies, very funny. Harold sipped the chilled juice in the glass. It tasted saltier than usual and thinner. Well, I can't expect much in a small town restaurant. The waiter's looking at me. I, I better finish it. He's then served the soup. It was hot. But it too was saltier than Harold would have liked. Strangest tasting bullion I ever had. Richer than usual too. And then the waiter says, Now, how would you like a roast tox? Well done, medium, rare. Roast what? Plots. Blood clots. Applies blood, oh my, as he chokes and spits soup out onto the table. Draw the curtain, draw the curtain. There's an intruder in our midst, says the waiter. And then Harold noticed that the mirror on the back wall of the restaurant was curtained. And now the curtain was being opened. Good Lord! The restaurant was crowded with people, and yet, in the reflection in the mirror, Harold sat alone in the place. Only I cast a reflection. The rest, the rest are vampires. Suddenly they were around him, the other customers, fangs bared, coming at him. Donna, his sister, elbowed her way through the crowd. Harold, I told you not to go out. I told you. Now it's too late. Donna, what are you doing here? I'm one of them, Harold. I'm a vampire, too. Why do you think I came to this town? I had to. It was the only place I could go. But this restaurant, I I, I don't understand. And Donna says, in the old days, humans hunted their own food, prepared it themselves. Vampires, too, in the legends, hunted their own victims. But now we, just like modern man, leave the hunting to the professionals. We leave the preparing to the professionals, too. You mean... And Donna continues with this gut-wrenching monologue. This restaurant serves blood dishes, like a vegetarian restaurant serves vegetable dishes. Blood juice cocktail. Hot blood console. Roast blood clots. French fried scabs. Blood sherbet. And in this panel, Harold breaks the fourth wall and turns towards the reader, sticking out his tongue and gagging. Donna goes on, I'm sorry, Harold. Like the other 17 that wandered into this restaurant, you will have to be silenced. I cannot save you. One of the other patrons yells, the tap! Bring the tap! Harold was lifted bodily by the giggling crowd of vampires while his sister looked on unconcernedly. One vampire brought a rope, another the tap. Tie up his feet, string him up, a party! And so Harold was strung up, head down. The tap was inserted into his jugular vein, and each of the vampires came one by one and filled its glass. Nothing like the real stuff, I'll say. And this panel, 
which is the kicker, of course. We see Harold tied up and bound, hanging upside down, with a tap stuck into his neck, and one of the vampires filling his glass. And to close out the story, we get the vault keeper again. <laughs> and that's the story, kiddies. That's what civilized vampires do these days. They dine in bloodetarian restaurants, open sundown to sunrise. Where is there one in your town, you ask? Well, if some night you feel up to it, look for it. You can tell it by the sign inside. It's in red, and it says, Positively no nipping the waiters. The guy who started this chain of drinkeries is a vampire Barnum. He knows there's a sucker born every minute. Now I'll turn you back to the Crypt Keeper. Bye. So there you have it, our featured story, Midnight Mess from Tales from the Crypt, number 35. Uh, the script, once again, a great one from Gaines and Feldstein. Now going back to the Vault of Horror movie, uh, this script really did not veer much, or should I say... The script from the movie didn't veer much from this story. In fact, it could have almost been used... Uh, this comic story could have been used as a storyboard for that segment of The Vault of Horror. Uh, the movie did add one little subplot which involved uh, an inheritance and the brother wanting to take his sister out of that inheritance. But other than that, it was essentially the same story. Uh, the artwork, great. Uh, we get that interesting and humorous panel where Harold uh, breaks the fourth wall, turns towards the reader, and gags on what his sister's been telling him. And uh, the scene at the end with the tap in the jugular vein, that's, uh, that's just a gut punch there. So there you have our featured story, Midnight Mess. Now for next episode, we're going to fire up the random comic generator, and I'll just hit the toggle switch. Okay, so we got a Bronze Age title from DC, and that's Weird Mystery Tales, number 12, published by DC in 1974. It has a host that we've talked about before, way back in one of the early episodes. So it should be a lot of fun, and we'll get to that next episode. So that's going to do it for this one. Once again, I'd like to apologize for taking me so long to reopen the vault, but we're here, and I'm glad we are. Hopefully things in my life will settle down and I'll be able to return here once again in the near future. So if you'd like to get in touch with me, you can always do that by dropping an email to fourcolorfear at gmail.com. You can also visit the blog fourcolorfear.blogspot.com. You can subscribe to the RSS feed there. We also have a Facebook group. I admit it's not very active, but we are out there on Facebook. And just do a search for Four Color Fear on Facebook. And remember, Four Color Fear is always spelled the number four, C-O-L-O-R-F-E-A-R. Thanks again for listening, and I hope to see you again soon. Bye-bye. This episode of Four Color Fear is dedicated to the memory of friend and Four Color Fear fan, David Jacobson.